A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you're with us on the program today. We're going to be delving into budgets, mm-hmm. specifically the uh, ATF's proposed budget uh, unveiled by the White House on Monday. They are calling for a 13% increase in uh, the ATF's spending abilities. Uh, that's about $1.3 billion, with a B, $1.3 billion more uh, for the agency. So clearly the Biden administration, which was hoping to have David Chipman, gun control activist David Chipman, installed as the permanent director of the ATF at this point, uh, they are still moving forward, I think, with their strategy of weaponizing this agency uh, and using it to try to impose the types of gun control laws that they would like to do via legislation, uh, but cannot at this point in time. So let, let's 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 go through the White House's press release and we'll kind of uh, provide our own commentary here. Uh, the White House press office says, quote, gun crime is a multifaceted problem and requires a holistic approach. In addition to putting more cops on the beat and strengthening federal law enforcement, the president's budget also makes historic investments in stopping gun violence from happening in the first place. That means giving the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Farms and Explosives the funding to hire more than 300 agents, investigators and personnel to build on the administration's robust efforts to crack down on the pipeline of illegal firearms used in crimes and take other steps to keep guns out of the wrong hands. And it also includes $30 billion in mandatory investments to support law enforcement and crime prevention. That's right. Don't don't let Joe Biden hear you use the phrase defund the police because anger grandpa will come after you if you do that. The uh, White House says this budget builds off the historic efforts of the president's first year. Yeah, the uh, the historic efforts that has the president's approval rating in the uh, upper 30s right now. President Biden, they write, has made more progress on executive actions to reduce gun violence than any other president during their first year in office. Note, by the way, the weasel words there, right? More action to, uh, oh, sorry, more progress on executive actions than any other president. So he he signed more executive orders, or he's pushing for more executive orders on gun control than any other president. Has he actually made any progress in terms of reducing, quote-unquote, gun violence or violent crime? No. <laughs> no. There's been no progress there. Violent crime is still going up, particularly in cities like uh, New York City, uh, Los Angeles, Chicago's on pace to have uh, just as many homicides last year as they did, uh, or this year as they did last year. Philadelphia homicides are uh, uh, growing after a record-setting year last year. But by God, Joe Biden, he's doing executive actions. Why? That must mean that it's making a difference. That's what the White House press office would like the public to believe. Uh, but there's no evidence that that's actually the case. Now, uh, the White House also used the uh, new budget to uh, push for the same stale, tired gun control proposals that Joe Biden has been calling for. The White House is saying, quote, Congress needs to do its job by passing this budget and other essential legislation to reduce gun crime, including legislation to require background checks for all gun sales, ensure that no terrorists can buy a weapon in the United States, ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, repeal gun manufacturers' protection from liability, and ban ghost guns. By the way, 
I'm a Second Amendment supporter, but, right? Mm -hmm. So let's go through all of these uh, agenda items, shall we? Uh, Let's see. Legislation to require background checks for all gun sales. Universal background checks. There's no evidence that universal background checks actually do anything to reduce violent crime. In fact, there's no evidence that universal background checks actually lead to more arrests for people selling guns without putting the buyer through a background check. In fact, there's really no evidence that universal background checks lead to more background checks. That wasn't the case in Colorado after the state imposed universal background checks. It wasn't the case in New Mexico when the state imposed universal background checks because, excuse me, it's very easy for criminals to ignore a law that says, hey, before you sell a gun to somebody in a private sale, you got to put them through a background check. Criminals just say no. No. And there's no way to stop a criminal from engaging in an illegal transaction like that. There's no preventative uh, uh, component to a universal background check law. It simply provides uh, for another charge to be filed after a crime has been committed. And uh, they discover, oh, my gosh, somebody uh, sold this gun or they stole this gun. Anyway, somebody got a gun without going through a background check. Okay, well, there's another charge we can file. But it doesn't actually stop any crime from being committed. Uh, Quote, ensure that no terrorist can buy a weapon in the United States. So this is a, an oblique reference to uh, the no-fly, no-buy bill, which has been around in Congress in one form or another since at least 2007 that I'm aware of, 15 years now. And the reason why it hasn't gone anywhere, I, I, I believe, uh, is because there are a few members of Congress who do understand what this would actually mean. You don't have to be convicted of a crime to be put on the no-fly list. You don't have to be accused of a crime to be put on the no-fly list. In fact, you can be put on the no-fly list and have no idea why you're there. But once you're on the no-fly list, it's nearly impossible to get off. Now, we do know that there have been folks who have been put on the no-fly list because their names are similar to somebody who might be a suspected terrorist or might be a person of interest. We also know that those individuals have had to fight for years to have their names taken off. And yet Joe Biden says that if the government puts your name on a list somewhere, that that should strip you of your right to keep and bear arms. No, absolutely not. You know, in fact, the FBI has said that just because somebody's name is on a watch list. Doesn't mean that it's actually uh, uh, suspected of terrorism. They may work with somebody who's a person of interest. They may live near someone who's a person of interest. And again, that doesn't matter to Joe Biden. Doesn't matter to the gun control activists who want to use any means they can to block as many people as possible from exercising their right to keep and bear arms. Now, You don't have to be soft on terrorism to uh, oppose a no-fly, no-buy bill. You only have to be concerned about the erosion of our civil rights, which is why the ACLU, no friend to the Second Amendment. I mean, the the Second Amendment is the one enumerated right in the Bill of Rights that the ACLU says, yeah, that one we're not so sure about. But even the ACLU has come out against these no-fly, no-buy bills. You've got opposition on the left and on the right. It's really only the authoritarians who actually support this idea. Uh, Then there's Biden's ban on so-called assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. We've talked about that ad nauseum at this point, right? He wants to not only ban 
the uh, sale of modern sporting rifles and quote-unquote high-capacity magazines going forward, but he wants to ban the continued possession of them. Under Biden's plan, you would have to uh, hand over your guns to the government, some sort of compensated confiscation event, or you could register them with the federal government under the National Firearms Act, like, like, like they're machine guns. And then Joe Biden says he promises, promises, that he'll let you keep them, those battlefield weapons of war, after you tell the government you have them. Right? That's all you got to do. Just declare to the government that you own them, and then you can keep them. Otherwise, you got to hand them over. Does anybody believe that? I don't. I certainly don't. I don't know who many uh, who, who would. Uh, okay, so then we got to repeal, uh, quote, repeal gun manufacturers' protection from liability, which is, uh, again, a lie from the Biden administration. Uh, the firearms industry can, in fact, be sued for defective products. They can be sued if there are design flaws. But under the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, they are not supposed to be sued trying to hold them liable for the actions of criminals. If somebody steals a gun from someone and uses it in the commission of an armed robbery, should we blame the gun maker? Joe Biden says yes. People like uh, disgraced Governor Andrew Cuomo say yes. Gun control activists from Shannon Watts to Michael Bloomberg say yes, absolutely, that should, that should be the case. Most of us, on the other hand, I believe, think that the responsibility lies with the individual who actually committed the crime. We don't sue Ford or Budweiser, frankly. Uh, every time somebody gets behind the wheel of a car and they're drunk and they plow into another vehicle, we blame the driver, right? And yet, Joe Biden wants to blame the gun maker for every crime that's committed here in the United States. Shouldn't be the person who pulled the trigger who's at fault. No, no, no. It should be the company that made the firearm in the first place. Uh, and finally, uh, they say that they want to, uh, quote, ban ghost guns. Yeah. Which I thought Biden was going to try to do via his executive action, or those unprecedented executive actions. But uh, I, I think that the administration is really going to struggle with coming up with language that would outright ban home-built, unserialized firearms. Now, they may very well come out and say, all right, if you build your own gun, you got to register with the government. It's got to have a serial number on it. you gotta, you, you got to do something like that, which I think is also going to lead them into some uh, legal thickets and some legal challenges. But I, I don't think that the administration is going to be able to ban outright home-built firearms uh, through executive action. So he's calling on Congress to try to do it. Again, what's the point here? The, the, the point is not uh, whether or not somebody acquired their gun through theft or through a straw purchase or by building their own or by even legally purchasing a firearm. The way to address violent crime, and supposedly this is what this is all about, right? Other essential legislation to reduce gun crime. Well, the way to reduce violent crime, whether or not it's committed with a firearm, is to focus on those violent offenders themselves. And we know that in any, in every city across the country, there is a disproportionate amount of violent crime being committed by a very small number of individuals. So you want to dramatically make cities a safer place? You want to dramatically reduce the violent crime rate in the United States? Empower law enforcement 
Heck, empower those community violence intervention programs, as well as law enforcement, to focus on that core group of offenders, and you make a difference. Instead, Joe Biden is aiming this budgetary target, or this budgetary weapon, rather, uh, at legal gun owners. We're the target of all of this, right? From universal background checks to bans on home-built firearms, it is the law-abiding, the folks who want to stay within the confines of the law, who, again, are the real subjects of uh, Biden's actions here. Now, specifically, when we talk about the increase, uh, proposed increase in funding for the ATF, what's that going to look like? According to the White House, they want to hire more than 140 new agents, intel analysts, and other personnel, including personnel to staff the multi-jurisdictional gun trafficking strike forces that the Justice Department launched last year. These strike forces crack down on significant firearms trafficking corridors like the Iron Pipeline, the illegal flow of guns sold in the South, transported up to the East Coast, and found at crime scenes in cities from Baltimore to New York City. I thought the big problem was ghost guns. Now it's the Iron Pipeline. But anyway, more 140 new agents, right? In addition... Uh, Biden wants to hire 160 new investigators to help ensure that federal firearms licensees and manufacturers comply with the law. These investigators, the White House says, will help carry out the Department of Justice's new policy announced last year of zero tolerance, absent extraordinary circumstances for certain willful violations of the law by federally licensed firearms dealers that put public safety at risk. That is a long way of saying we're going after FFLs for any paperwork violation that we can find. That zero tolerance policy means that if there's a 4473 that somebody filled out, and instead of writing the word yes, they wrote the letter Y, or instead of writing out the name of their state, they abbreviated it, that could be seen as a willful violation by the ATF on the part of the FFL for not correcting that customer at the time. And yeah, that's the type of ticky-tack nonsense that the ATF can use with the blessings of the Biden administration, to shut down federally licensed firearms retailers. In addition, the Biden administration also wants to uh, hire 16 new positions to provide National Integrated Ballistics Information Network correlation reviews and training for state and local law enforcement agencies statewide. Uh, this is basically, you know, again, the uh, ballistics imaging. So we're, uh, we're going to take a, uh, a, you know, a very uh, a close-up view uh, and uh, see if we can, uh, you know, track back and, okay, this bullet was fired from this gun. Um, this is used in court. There are some questions about the efficacy and the accuracy of these tests, but uh, it, it is currently being used. This apparently would allow it to be used more. Uh, and finally, the uh, administration says it wants to increase by more than 40%. The funding for the National Tracing Center, which more than 8,400 law enforcement agencies across the United States use to trace firearms found at crime scenes. Funding, they say, will be used to, quote, upgrade technology and hire additional personnel. You will recall that uh, the ATF has been digitizing uh, hundreds of millions of firearm transaction records. And there are big concerns that this amounts to a backdoor gun registry. Uh, at least a partial gun registry of gun owners in the United States. I would anticipate that uh, each and every one of these proposals to uh, increase the funding for the ATF is going to uh, run into a, a roadblock uh, in Congress right now. I don't know if, uh, listen, I will. Uh, Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin's not going to back down on this. He's, he's not going to object too much, particularly when there's more money going to the National Tracing Center in West Virginia. I think Joe Manchin's likely to get on board. 
Uh, but this, again, is one part of a much bigger budget process. And so I don't think any of this is written in stone yet. And I would encourage uh, gun owners to make contact, stay in contact with your lawmakers, both uh, on the uh, House side and the Senate side. Let them know how you feel about this. And again, in the meantime, in November, we have the opportunity to ensure that Biden can't use the federal budget to go after our right to keep and bear arms, that the focus of the ATF will be, in fact, on violent criminals and not legal gun owners, and that the uh, efforts to turn legal gun owners into paperwork criminals by declaring, you know, uh, force reset triggers to be machine guns, to be declaring uh, uh, stabilizing braces to be short-barreled rifles, and potentially even claiming that AR-15s by themselves are readily converted into fully automatic firearms, that those efforts... We can put a halt to that, but we got to show up and vote this November. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will start there with a story out of Illinois, Urbana, Illinois, where a man has been sentenced to probation in a shooting last year. 43-year-old man, Ramesh Hill, given credit for the time served behind bars, 233 days. So less than a year he spent behind bars. This was uh, August 8th of last year. Police in Urbana, Illinois, dispatched to a uh, location around 1.15 in the morning. Multiple reports of shots fired. When they got there, they found evidence of a shooting. They didn't find a victim. Uh, he showed up at a local hospital with a gunshot wound in his thigh a short time later. Officers said that they determined a f uh, shooting happened after a fight broke out. They arrested Hill about an hour after the shooting occurred. And uh, Ramesh Hill, again, 233 days in jail is all that he'll serve for uh, shooting a man there in Urbana, Illinois. Today's armed citizen story from Spring, Texas, not far from uh, Houston. A man tried to rob a, a couple of people inside a truck at a McDonald's and instead ended up getting shot himself. According to authorities, uh, this happened uh, 8.30 p.m. Saturday night, uh, where they say a, a man shot at another one, threatening him and his friend uh, in a, a McDonald's parking lot. The pair had met with a man who was responding to an online ad for a, a vehicle sale. Uh, but when the guy got there, allegedly to take part in a test drive, he reportedly pulled a gun on the pair and then tried to steal the vehicle. Uh, but again, one of the two guys who were there to to sell that vehicle was armed himself, shot at the robber multiple times before the robber fled on foot. Houston Chronicle reports his condition is unknown, so he is still outstanding. Uh, described uh, by the sheriff's office as Hispanic, about five foot eleven with a slender build. At last report, wearing a white shirt and jeans. Given that this was Saturday, he's probably changed by now, right? According to the Montgomery County Police Reporter, uh, this uh, started with a an ad on Craigslist about a Toyota Tundra for sale. Uh, and that's apparently what led to this. Uh, they say that no charge has been brought against the person who shot at the alleged armed robber. Sheriff's office says the case will be referred to the grand jury. But uh, this, again, would appear to be a, a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense if the uh, stories add up. Uh, the sheriff's office, though, did say, as a reminder to the public, uh, we maintain an Internet exchange site for all of our office locations to help facilitate a safe transaction. Please only meet people for online transactions in well-lit populated places to enhance your safety, which is a good idea. I have had this conversation with my wife several times. Uh, it's been a few years now. 
but she used to do this all the time. Oh, I'm going to go drive over to the stranger's house. I'm going to see about a table or something like that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, yeah, if you have the opportunity to meet somebody in a well-lit, populated area in a police station parking lot, take advantage of the opportunity to do that. Uh, let's see. Finally today, our good deed of the day. Spartanburg, South Carolina, where a police officer off-duty but still in the right place at the right time will end up do the right thing to help a new mom welcome her child into the world. That's right. Uh, officer M. Brennan was uh, helping to direct traffic. It was about 4.30 Saturday afternoon. Somebody in a vehicle flagged her down. She uh, observed a woman who had gone into labor and, according to authorities, immediately started assisting her. Uh, with one push, authorities say the baby successfully arrived, was wrapped in a blanket, placed on the mother's chest. Officer Brennan said, uh, I'm a mother. I have children, too. And I'm glad that I was there at the right time to help. Well, I am, too. And I'm glad that uh, both baby and mom are safe and sound. So, uh, Officer Brennan, there in Spartanburg, South Carolina, thank you very much for your very good deed. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Don't forget, you can check out BearingArms.com throughout the day and find even more Second Amendment news and information that you should know about. If you like what you see, you can also become a VIP subscriber. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. And as our way of saying thanks for your support, we're going to give you exclusive access to news stories, columns, analysis, and insight you won't find anywhere else because your support really does make a difference. We'll be back tomorrow. But until then, be well, be safe, and be free.